This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. The topic we're addressing today is a topic that has really permeated the public forum for many decades now um, with very, very strong proponents and opposition and it's something that we've gotten so used to screaming about it, I guess, that we actually haven't asked ourselves, what is it? Why is it? How is it? And the topic we're going to speak about is Das Torah, which has become a slogan, pro and anti, and we don't really have an ability to define it. Let's um, start by asking the following the Torah has many, many halachas. In order to follow the Torah, all it requires is knowing those halachas. And yes, not everybody knows the halachas, and true that many people um, are ignorant of a vast majority of halachas, but there are many, many people that are knowledgeable of halachas. So, what what else do you need? You need a shoharach, a well-indexed shoharach, and with that we can go ahead and do what we're supposed to do. Um, we also have Rabbanim, many, many, many Rabbanim who have gotten smicha, which means they've passed the test that they can um, rule on halachas. They know enough halachas and can make um, comparisons as needs be. And once again, we have what it takes to do what's right. So where do we have room for anything other than that are we not perfect Torah Jews if we do everything that it says in the Shacharach and that's that that's really going to be a question that's going to um, beg the assumption that there's anything like Das Torah we have Halacha, that's Torah and we have maybe some extrapolation of Halacha, that's Psak What's that story all about? So we're going to have a look at Ramban in two or three places, in one place primarily, who is going to give us an entirely different picture of Torah, Torah with many dimensions, rather than the flat dimension that we've just painted. The Ramban is in Parshas Kedoshim, and the Ramban deals with the following um, issue. The Torah at the end of Achimos describes all the relationships that are prohibited. Who you can't marry and who's not allowed to be married to whom and so on. And then Kedoshim starts with a mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. That we need to be um, holy and Rashi says that that's a reference back again to all of the things listed at the end of Achrei, it sort of reinforces it. It adds another mitzvah on top of it, another layer of mitzvah. The Ramban takes issue with that, and the Ramban feels that the uh, that that can't be the meaning of the pasuk. So, what is the meaning of the pasuk? So, the Ramban says the following point. The Ramban says. The amount of cases and situations that the Torah lists 
are a finite amount of cases. The Torah says this relationship is prohibited, this relationship is prohibited, that relationship is prohibited. Um, this food is prohibited, that food is prohibited, the other food is prohibited. That's what the Torah tells us. In between those specific prohibitions, there is a lot of room to engage in a lot of activity that is coarse, vulgar, um, corrupt, and yet technically not crossing uh, a specific Avera. A person's um, conduct at home, a person, let's take food. Yes, we have many, many restrictions about food that we can eat. Does that mean that whatever we're allowed to eat, we can sit and gorge ourselves 24-7? It's the food is glot, glot kosher. It's got every stamp of approval. Can I sit and spend my days um, gnashing at the, at the buffet table? So Ramban says, the Torah has given us a commandment saying, listen, all of the points that I've mentioned are specific points, but there is a general mitzvah to act in a way that we would call kadosh. Now, if I can give an illustration for that, imagine you have these dots in, you know, they have children's uh, coloring books, um, I'm not sure if they have it here in South Africa, but in, um, in America we have these little these coloring books where you have uh, little dots with numbers, and the child is meant to connect the dots in a way that brings out a picture. So that's a type of idea that the Ramban is presenting us. The Ramban says the specific mitzvahs and averis that the Torah has given us in these areas are all dots. We now, Kedoshim tells us that we need to take all these dots and connect them. And now we have a picture. And anything that's within this picture is good. Anything outside this picture is not good. So it's as if the specific mitzvahs and averis are a skeleton for forming a um, bigger picture. And this bigger picture will be the true uh, intent of the Torah. And it's an obligation of Kedoshim. So Ramban speaks in three places about it. He speaks in Kedoshim about the, all the prohibitions for Arayos, for all of the illicit relationships mentioned. He speaks in um, he, he speaks in uh, on, on Shabbos and uh, when it, w- regarding Shabbos Vayikra, and he speaks about um, he, and he speaks about Vasisa uh, Yashvatov business dealings. So in all three places, the Ramban says the following. He says there are. Um, three different in, in each one of these mitzvahs he says in the mitzvahs that describe what actions are 
are are prohibited in terms of relationships. The Torah says kedoshim to you that you need to have a, um, a, a, a you you need to take these particular points and create an image of a person's kadosh, and therefore many things that are not on those points will fall either in or outside of the picture. Shabbos, he says, is called Yom Shabbosom, that a person needs to create a day that has in itself um, something sacred, something sanctified. The Torah is very specific about many items, but at the end of the day, we could still be wearing shorts and playing basketball and, um, you know, doing a thousand one things as if there'd be no, sh- you know, and, and we would just about not have a day that's sacred in any way. So the Torah says it has to be Yom Shabboson and it has to be something that includes many elements that are not technically prohibited, but would not fall within the picture of us. And finally, when it comes to honesty and business dealings, so there are business dealings that are absolutely permissible, and it's a nature business. The nature business is somebody profits from you know wise investments and stuff like that, and that's fine. That the Torah is sanctions, but there are practices that we shall say are technically permissible but far from technical but but far from being what we would call integrity honesty um goodwill um and and right intentions they 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 are not they they're they're deals that are um really really distasteful so the Torah in these three areas, because these are areas that have many halachos, you know, the laws of business take up a huge haruch, but the amount of cases that there are in extant in the world are infinite, just about infinite, because all our dealings are, are business of sorts. Buying, selling, borrowing, giving, gifting, advertising, uh, promising, etc. Those are all things that are beyond um, any letter of the law. And the Torah, in each one, gave us Vasisa Yashava Tov. The Torah says, okay, um, I have given you this huge Lucharach, but now there's one more thing. Vasisa Yashava Tov, draw a line that will be called good and honest, straight. And that's the line, that's the picture that you now need to measure if specific activities fall within those uh, parameters or outside those parameters. That is the, um, there's a certain class of those mitzvahs, and this is um, a, a three mitzvahs that are sweeping, and they include everything. It is... Um, the Shalah Kadosh, I believe, who possibly gives it um, its sharpest definition. He says the um, the the Shalah explains in it in in its safer it's in the Shalah Kadosh in Sanasurimamoros in the seventh Mimer. He says that these um this realm that I've just described to you, it's not it's not Lefnim Mishuras Hadin in the sense 
extra credit, kind of, if you want to get extra brownie points, you'll get it. It's fully obligatory, but as opposed to the other mitzvahs, where the obligations are specific, this one, the Torah did not give the specific obligations, but the general obligation. So a person will be held accountable for not analyzing all of the activities that he engages in to see not only whether it's technically kosher, but does it fall into this framework of um, of, of the Vasisa Yashvatov or Kedoshim Yom Shabbosa. That's how the Shlokarish explains it. So, if we ask ourselves, what does the Torah require and demand of us? We're going to answer three tiers of halacha. There is specific mitzvahs, there are specific mitzvahs, and that's the whole Shacharach in those details that fit an exact act. Secondly, there are there are cases that can be extrapolated in a fairly straightforward analogy. So someone comes with a Shiloh to Rav about pots and pans that got mixed up, and the Rav looks up at the case of Bittel, for instance, Rove, um, you know, whatever else is 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 is. Um, whatever else is relevant and he compares the two and says this is exactly like this case a sort of, let's call it a one-to-one analogy and that is what's called psak. and then there's a third tier that's as obligatory as the first two tiers and that is in, in the major areas to, 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 to flesh out a way of life that the Torah intended to capture within those specific halachas that it gave. And that is Torah, and that's obligatory, and that is what Hashem wants. It's, it, the, the, what Hashem wants hasn't been spelled out, but it's up to us to draw a big picture and to sort of figure out what is inside. So for the first realm, what we need is, is a shoharach, a ketzah shoharach, or may I dare say Google. So somebody Googles um, what does one do on Shivasavit uh, Hamas, and you can possibly Google up fast. I uh, haven't tried it, but we'll, we'll assume. And that's fine. So for the, for the specific detail, one needs a good index, and it finds the halacha written somewhere, and you're good to go. Something that is similar, but not quite the same, one needs hurrah. One needs to be able to um, compare things in a fairly straightforward manner. It's called in halacha, medame milsa milsa. We are comparing point A to point B. And we are saying, this is like this. Now, um, for that... That's what we would call Higilera, what we call Smicha. If the person has studied enough Torah and has the elementary skills of making point-to-point comparisons, then we can do that. And it doesn't require it to be an extraordinary girl for that. It's fine. That's that's a normal psak of a normal rough. 
what do we do with the third area? And, and let me go a step further. This third area that we speak about, the sweeping sense of the halacha, the big picture, it tends to be something that is relevant to the public more than individual. The, the, the type of shyness that, that individual faces tend to be more of the second category, things that sort of, it's one step off, there are the other kind also, but as in generally speaking, the type of shells we, we normally ask our of have that quality. The issues that face a big tzibur, a large group of people, tend to be of the third um, type. So, who is qualified to answer that? This is already something that is um, beyond what a normal posek would be able to do. So let's take an analogy so that we have a sense of the qualities we're looking for. Imagine that I've met someone and I'm forming a friendship, a possible fiancé, a fiancé, and I would like to buy that person a gift, a gift that the person will really appreciate. Now, if I ask the person and the person tells me, I want you to buy me X, Y, or Z, we all know that that no longer is, it, 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 it's, a, it's a much, much more shallow gift. It, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's kind of disappointing. It's almost an order rather than a gift. And I have to be told what to buy. It, it's, no, that's not, that's not the type of gift we're talking about. I want to surprise the other person with a gift. And I want the person to really like the gift. So what do I do? So, A, I need to find someone who's known this person long enough so that he has enough points of reference. He's known this person for 10 years, and this person likes a certain type of book. This person likes a certain type of jewelry. This person likes a certain type of wear, or dress, or whatever it is. That's one thing. So... I need someone who has enough knowledge about the person, enough interactions with the person, that I can say he's going to be basing his guess on something substantial. Two, I want somebody that has the unique quality to make that leap of creative understanding. So if this person has always bought the following books, then another one of those books is not really going to cut it. If it's something that is very, very similar to the book that he has, maybe the person doesn't want it. I'm looking for someone to say, you know, if he likes these type of books, he's going to like a different area which has in itself the, the, some of the of the core values that he finds in these books. So if he, if he likes... Um, I don't know, physics is going to possibly like astronomy. I'm just, just plucking two things out, out of it. So that's the second thing. Somebody who has that sense of being able to creatively make... It's not an immediate extrapolation like from A to B. It's from A to J. It's like the person knows five steps ahead what's there. That's the second thing. And finally one caveat, I don't want somebody who might have some vested interest. So, for instance, 
if I go to the jeweler and ask him, you know, he's known my fiance for quite a while, what would she like? And his eyes light up right in a diamond, and he says, she would love the most expensive diamond I have. Uh, I, I discount that um, appraisal because I feel that this person may have an interest in it. So I also um, don't give much shrift to that type of evaluation. So I'm looking for somebody who has much, much contact interaction, a, a sort of intuitive ability, and this is, I have to sense that this is the type of person. And finally, to the best of my knowledge, does not have a vested interest. Let's go to Torah, which is a, um, which is the area that we're dealing with. So we are a public, let's say, and we're faced with making some decisions. Uh, let's take a common example in Israel today. We need to sit in a government together in a coalition with parties who don't share many of our values. It is the nature of um, coalitions and political interaction that there's compromise. You give some and you get some. Um, am I allowed to give? Am I not allowed to give? And what can I give way? What can't I give way? Is there a difference? What type of partnership we form? And so on. None of those halachas are in the Shoharach. They just you don't find them. And occasionally people quote those. Those quotes are kind of wildly out of place most of the time. Or worse is when someone quotes a Pasuk. You don't pass them from a Pasuk. So, what about the second level of Psak? Well, the second level of an immediate extrapolation is also very hard. They don't have... It, it, those, there, there's a whole different array. Uh, what is a government and what is a coalition and what's the difference if I don't vote for law, if I vote for law this way. Those are things that really uh, you, you could not find any type of... Um, any type of application, of immediate application of a halacha. No. It's going to be, in the broad sense of Torah, this is a chil Hashem, this is a kiddush Hashem, this is becoming a part of to, to a dvar ver, this is not, this is this is is being matzal, this is saving the little that can be saved, because anyway everything's going down tubes, this is called giving away something with your own hands, and you can't do it. It, it requires... Um, drawing that big picture we're talking about. So, in order to, f- to draw that pic- picture, we're going to want to find a a big person who is steeped in in um, in uh, in Torah, so that when he says, "I think the Torah or Hashem would want this," he has experience to base it on. If somebody who's not terribly well versed or more averse in Torah, not engaged in Torah enough, so he might tell us some bright points as to why course A is better than course B. But his the, the level of confidence that he knows what the Torah wants is kind of minimal because, yes, this person might be an, a, a Torah-observant person, but his real knowledge and, and, and how much has he soaked his... His, how much has he dipped his hands into it and, and, and steeped himself in it is minimal. So A, we're going to need somebody who is a big Talmud Chacham. B, 
amongst the Talmud Chachamim, we're going to want somebody that we sense is um, has that sense of intuition. It's if if I can give a comparison to it, there have been big people that have created a derech, meaning a way of life. They've been able to put together the pieces in a way that it covers many more areas of life than just the mere halacha. So we're going to try to look for that type of gadol. Is there a litmus test for it? Can we say for sure? No. But the Ghaznish writes that the healthy instincts of Kalal Yisrael's Shomator Mitzvahs lead them to people that are appropriate. Um, and if a person has a Rebbe, a personal Rebbe, who um, he trusts and, and feels is of worth, then he will usually give him insight as to who are the people that have this. And finally, there have been big people, big, big Tamir HaChamim, like Claudius Sol has given them the respect due, but have not um, have not made them the leaders of Kaisal. And there are unfortunately times when there's a sense that the person's ability to separate his own interests from the Torah's interests is not clear enough. Um, the Chaznish writes somewhere, the Chaznish writes, someone asked the Chaznish, what is the definition of an Adam Gadol, of a big person? And the Chaznish says, someone who is bigger than his self. Someone that transcends his self. Someone that his opinions, understands, it, it, it's certainly, oh, I'm not even talking about personal interests in terms of monetary or jobs for somebody or anything like that. That would really be a terrible blot on a person. But even a sense of his self, his esteem, his honor, whatever it is, there's a, the, the, the people that we have held up as being big people are the people that their selves are totally divorced from the decision-making process, from anything like that. And it's something you obviously can't talk about. You know, no one knows right to go around telling this person is Balgaiva, this person can't get past his interest. But there's this instinct and there's a sense of the people that we feel have that quality. So when we ask ourselves who are the people that are capable of giving us those types of decisions we would say people that we feel possess those qualities. And that's called Das Torah. Das Torah means what, it, it's a bigger understanding of Torah. There is the Chachmas Torah, which are the facts. Chachma Rashi says is whatever came to us from um, our, its input of knowledge, what we heard from somebody, what a Rebbe taught us. So Chachma would be the facts on the ground, the Shacharach. Bina would be the immediate extrapolation. Maven Dava Mitov Dava. Das is a bigger and a sweeping um, type of understanding. Um, we have many times uh, the expression Hachros Hadas, the Hadas Machria. The word Hadas Machria would roughly translate to what we call in American English a judgment call. It's something that I, I can't be specific. I can't bring an exact fact, 
I can't bring a terribly, terribly close analogy, but looking at the picture as a whole, this is what I think is right. So the type of um, the type of of das of Torah is what we're looking for. It's it's the ability to see the whole picture of Torah as it is. Can there be many das Torahs? The answer is yes. Um, the the Satma Rav was a very big person. And to him, Torah came together in a way that excluded an interaction with people that were not 100% sure Torah mitzvahs. The uh, Rev Cook was Das Torah, and his vision included um, somehow an integration of Olam Tzchayisrael. And Rabbi Aaron Kotler and Rabbi Chaim Ozer was Das Torah, and, they, uh, and their vision included some elements of interaction and some elements of exclusion. A person it belongs to a community, and the community a person belongs to needs to find its Torah leader that presents, that, that they honestly feel has these qualities. If you honestly feel have these qualities, then you're following Das Torah. If you're playing a game and you're looking for the person that's giving you the answer you want to get, that's not Das Torah. And you are missing out on anything past the second dimension of Torah. The, the, so, so the one dimension of the points that, that are written in you're keeping, the immediate extrapolations you're keeping, but this whole huge three dimensions of Torah that includes the, the figure that's within those lines that you drew, you're, you're oblivious to that. So in a certain sense, you're missing a big part of Torah. It can't be that the Torah will make a decision about which hot dogs to serve at, at, at a youth group and not make a decision if this is a type of youth group that is positive um, if there are issues with it. The Torah is all-encompassing. It's Torah's Chaim. And there's got to be a Torah for it. And there is. And there's got to be a, a people that are capable of determining that Torah, of giving us a guidelines, and there are. They need these qualities, and we need, honestly need to find those leaders. In different communities, Asat Mahazaza has has Asat Rav as his Rebbe. Um, I have, we have great regard for him. He's not my Rebbe. My Rebbe was Rebbe Aaron Cutler, was Rebbe Chaim Oza. That was that generation. And and there were people who have cooked with the Rebbe for them. He's not my, it's not my particular Sibur, but still, we need to understand what that story means. I want to add, a, I, I guess I would say, a specific version of something which I think is most appropriate. The person who actually used this phrase in the way we're using it, the word Das Torah, um, was Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, who wrote about the need for a tzibah to be run by Das Torah. He came to America, Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, I'm not sure how many of you know um, who he was. You might have heard the name sometime or not, so I'll briefly give you a sketch of who this person was. Rabbi Hanan Wasserman is probably responsible for almost all the Torah that we have today. And let me explain to you why. He was a he he was born in the um, mid 1800s, late 1800s. He was killed in World War II, and not by the Nazis, but by the Lithuanian partisans. Yimashmam um, 
in the Kovna ghetto in 1940, um, and he was a Talmud of both Reb Chaim Briska, who was the, the the great shining light of Talmudic depth, and the Chavetz Chaim, who was the great Sadiq generation. Reb Chonin's major um, contribution to Kol Yisrael was from 1920 to 1940, he had a yeshiva in a town called Baranovich, which was technically Lithuania, but, but the, the population and the people that came were what we would call Lithuanian Jewry. It was, it was Poland technically, but it's Lithuania f- in terms of, of culturally the, 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 the Litvish Jewry. Um, Rebel Khanan's yeshiva was geared for younger boys, past Cheder, pre-yeshiva Dola, sort of as similar to what a high school would be. And Rebbe Chana's yeshiva was the one that formed the Torah. It taught them how to learn in, in a very, very straight way, in a way that, that, that used Rebbe Chaim's technique in, and focused also very much on pshat. He, he, he created the tzura of yeshiva davening, of yeshiva conduct, of yeshiva norms, yeshiva marais, and in those 20 years, all his Talmidim went on to become, um, they went on to big yeshivas, they went on to Kamenitz and Grodna and Radna and so on, and then they went on to the Mir, and they became the Marbitza Torah of the next generation. That was one part of the equation. He then was very, he was very strapped for funds, and in 1938, he went to America and spent over a year till mid-1939, he spent fundraising for Baranovich Yeshiva. Um, he, he, he was reasonably successful, but that money was never ever used. Unfortunately, the war broke out two or three months after he returned to Baranovich, and basically, that was it. And he was killed of Kiddush Hashem a year later, and that was it. Um, but, in that year and quarter or so, or half, he was instrumental in forming a group of B'nai Torah Balabatim in America who were, who became sensitive to the ideals of Torah. They themselves were the core of creating the next generation of boys who would go to yeshivas, who shared those values of Torah, and the, whatever we have is basically today comes from there. The um, Rebbe Hanan himself, um, so when he was in America, he reached out to many Jews and was mashpia. The, the, the young people that he had this contact with were not big Tamil Chachamim, but they were eager to learn, and he spoke for them and explained to them what Torah is and, and so on. He also was quite strong-voiced about shortcomings and even though it sometimes threatened his own uh, efforts at collection, um, people, Rabbanim, who did not care for what he told them, were a little bit hostile when it came to fundraising their shuls for the yeshiva, but he didn't care. He felt his right thing to and so on. So one of the issues that was at that time um, really becoming um, a problem in America in Yiddishkeit was shuls were beginning to hold socials, which were evenings with mixed dancing. Um, the, it's usher. And it was under 
a guise of, first of all, it brings in a lot of money to Tzedakah. So if we want to preserve institutions and have yeshivas, we're going to have to have these events. Two, um, they, 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 there was another line of argument that if we don't keep them happy in the shul, they're going to end up leaving shuls, becoming irreligious, marrying out, marrying goyim. So it, it's, um, it makes a lot of sense to include them in and at least they may be doing a various on, but at least a part of it was saving them from uh, going with Goyim and so on. That was the, the, the arguments used. Rebel Hanan was extremely, extremely strong about it, and his point was the big pick, we're not, we are not salesmen whose job is to increase sales at all costs. It's not our job to make as many people as possibly be caught carrying Jews. Our job is to do what's right. And within that framework, within the world of mitzvahs or rishus, we, can, we have to do as much as we, we, we can do. But to go and to say, well, we're going to bend the rules for the sake of the rules, where halacha does not allow it, that is wrong. And that's an example of Das Torah. It's, it, it, in other words, the big picture is not to make as many Jews as possible. The big picture is to do what's right. And being the kind of Jews is extremely right if it doesn't come at the expense of doing things that you're not allowed to do. And that was, that was a perfect example of that story. But I want to add something to it. It was the right thing to do because it was the right thing to do, and no ifs, ands, and buts, and that's what Hashem wants from us. But even more than that, it was the successful way to go. Of all the places that their, their, their thrust was to compromise more and more, and to water down the Yiddishkeit more and more, those institutions inevitably disintegrated, deteriorated and the people anyway assimilated because there was nothing to hold on to it basically, every time there was a new Yetzirah, it was made part of the old fabric of Judaism and at some point there was nothing left of the old fabric um, it was Dafka the strength, yes there were many people that might have um, not gone to shul and strayed and maybe married out even but the the strength and conviction of the people that kept going meant that they rebuilt Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit was not rebuilt by the people that watered it down. It was built by the people that shored it up and passionately and stridently reinforced it. Had 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 the 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 the, the tzura of Yiddishkeit become kind of a mild watered down version of it, it would never ever have. Um, had the impact it had. So not only was Das Torah um, the right thing to do, eventually it was the effective thing to do. It's not the reason to do Das Torah, and I want to make it clear. The reason why we listen to Das Torah is not because we believe it is the most successful route, but we believe it's the right route. 
Success is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's business. The right and the wrong is our business. So let's recap the points we made, because this is something that dominates the public arena, the public Jewish arena, and people throw this word around, and they don't quite know what, what they mean. Some people use it to mean halacha, some people use it to mean wise advice in terms of what's successful what's not successful. No. A Yiddishkeit consists of three tiers we've discovered. There are the specific halachas that are stated. That's, um, in a sense, the written Torah. It's also the oral law, but it's the stated, explicit Torah. And for that, we just need simple knowledge of it. There is a second tier of what we call Madame Milsa La Milsa, direct comparison. Um, this thing happened. Is it Rove? Is it Chazaka? Is it this? Is is this similar enough to this point? That point? And and for that you need to have someone that's a Rav with smicha that is a Gila Ra, and that's enough for that. And then we have a third tier of Yiddishkeit, which is a mark with three great commandments of Kedoshim to you, of Yom Shabboson, of Asisa Yashvatov, and other things like that. The Torah says all of the law I've given you and its and its immediate extrapolations that we've mentioned are only the beginning of a big picture. And that pic- picture is formed by drawing lines correctly between the dots and connecting the dots correctly. And that's where the m- most... That's where we live as Jews. It's not only specific halachas. It's it's every minute of interaction with someone else. Does it fall within the picture, outside the picture? Every minute of contending with a material life, does it fall within kedusha or outside of kedusha, and so on. That is the part that we call is what we call today das Torah. On a pro, on an individual level, it's sometimes relevant. You know, it's relevant obviously when we interact with people and so on, but. The, the big issues, the sweeping issues where we really seek um, a guidance are the public issues. Because on a public level, the halachas are few and the decisions are immense. We need to understand that public decisions that um, are moral of any nature will be falling for sure into this realm of um, the, the spirit of Torah, Das Torah. We need to find, every tzibur must find its leader or leaders who possess the qualities needed for giving the guidance as to what does the Torah want from us. It requires somebody who's immensely connected to Torah in terms of knowledge and personal connection of piety. It requires a person that our senses has that extra sense or being able to correctly form the big picture out of the details. And finally, somebody that we feel has a certain purity where none of his own personality is involved in it. I'm only talking about having a vested interest about money is that. It's, you know, something about his, he can't, he sees everything through his own glasses instead of seeing it just from Torah's point of view. That's called Das Torah. That is what we look to, Gedoli Yisrael Chachm and that may be valid, you know, every large Torah Tzibur has a person that it feels is its last Torah. And even if they're different something, each group, as long as they're building it on the positive things, 
is um, is following the Torah, just like there could be machlokis in halach in the second tier, in machlokis the third tier, but it can't be that we're following somebody that we like his approach because it's not demanding, because it's accommodating. That that's not that's not uh, an honest uh, desire to know what a kaddish baruch the Torah wants. The 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 the, 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 the that chelik of Torah, which includes major decisions for Kal Yisrael that have much effect in it, we need to seek from people that we feel have this special dimension of of knowledge, piety, and some other thing that it's hard to put a finger on. And we should be zocha that by having these type of manhigim, these type of leaders, and following them, and understanding what we're doing, why we're following them. We're not following them because they may tell us how to build a successful organization. We're following them because they're telling us how to build an appropriate organization. How to build something that it's not us telling Hashem to, what to do, but we're listening to what tells us. That, if, if we learn how to do that, we will have fulfilled the Ketoshim, Vasisa Yashavatov. We, we, we will ourselves become part of that third and fourth and fifth dimension of Torah, that, 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 that sweeping line that draws together the points and includes the content of Torah, the, the Neshama of Torah, and, and the grand picture of Torah. So.